hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately stuck at work, but... Out Now is a film podcast where Amy and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, and this is October, and this is another one of our special horror bonuses. We've been doing them all this month, and they've been super fun. So far, we've talked about haunted house films, we talked horror scenes in non-horror movies, and last week we talked about Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs. So this week, we've got a fun topic. We're going to go over practical horror effects. So yeah, we're going to... Talk about the kind of the, the use of practical effects in horror films. We'll talk about some very notable figures in the practical effects group when it comes to these kinds of things. And then we're going to go over some uh, some cool highlights that uh, we can uh, kind of name separately. But joining us, we have from the HHW LOD Podcast Network, Old Gaming Magic, and the Nothing's On Podcast, finished with his eight hours in the makeup chair, it's Jim Dietz. It's oldmagicgaming.com, but I'll let it slide. Thanks. Did I say it back? Did I say it backwards? It's cool. It's, I, no, no worries, buddy. <laughs> also joining us from Joe Blow, covered in corn syrup. It's Jimmy O. Yeah, that's my mom. She she pours it on me. It's really weird. Hey, how are you? Good. <laughs> glad glad to have you back. <laughs> Lastly, joining us for the first time, we have from the Forgotten Films podcast, stuffing himself with fake contestants. It's Todd Liebenow. Hey, Hi. thanks, thanks a lot. I'm glad to finally be on the show. I'm a longtime fan of the show, so. For Great sure. to be here. Yeah. No, wait, which, 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 wait, which show were you a fan of? <laughs> all of them. All of them. Oh, okay. Cool, yeah. cool. Good. Very, okay. very, very. But yeah, no, Todd, great, great, great to have you here. I've, I've been on, I've been on your program a couple of times, your podcast a couple of times, and we're, of course, we are, we're on the Lambcast pretty frequently, but uh, no, good to mm-hmm. have you on out now, finally. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm always glad to have Aaron on the show. He he has uh, been very generous with uh, going to some obscure stuff. You know, we talked about that first installment in the uh, abandoned Harry and Walter series of films last time <laughs> he was on the show. So yeah. that was great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, it, I don't know why we didn't gotten you get you on sooner. It's much easier than Jay. Here's just an hour. Yeah. here's an hour off. Yeah, there's only only a one hour <laughs> time difference between us here. He's like on the other side of the planet. So yeah. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. This just makes sense. Just have you on more often, less Jay. He's hey, listening, that, so he he he'll, I don't need yeah. to tell him. He'll just know. Um, yeah. But no, glad to have you here, Jim. Glad to have you on as well. I'm glad to get you talking about horror movies with us. One of my favorite subjects. And Jimmy, of course, uh, uh, regular on these horror bonuses. Great to have you back as well. Always a pleasure, man. So let's uh let's get into this, guys. Um, let's see. First up, a few show notes. Um, all the other horror episodes, they're everywhere you can find our podcast, and they're super fun. So make sure to check out the other ones as well, as well as from the past few years that we've been doing these. Uh, there's there's lots of really cool, I guess, archival horror episodes that you can dig into. And uh, next week, to finish off this month's uh, batch of horror episodes, we're going to be doing a commentary track for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The 1974 Toby Hooper classic. It is apparently on Netflix now, so it's even easier to yes. watch the Texas yes, Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. So yeah, if you, if you don't already have it because it's been released like so many times, but um, <laughs> you need a if you plan to watch it while listening to our commentary track, well, I mean that'd be awesome because you know it's fun to do that. But also, yeah, you can find it easily if you just need to catch up on the film in general. Great uh, movie. Yeah. All right, so let's do this. We're talking practical effects in horror films. There's a lot that goes into this. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's 2019, which means 
you get less of that to some degree, but at the same time, something I think that stands true in the horror genre is, you know, using makeup and practical effects just because there's a kind of low down and dirtyness to the genre that requires not having fancy computers, but just having whatever you have at your disposal. I'm sure we all have opinions on the way effects have played into movies. So as we get into this, let's just, I guess, kind of get into that. Like, let's start with you, Jimmy. What, what, what do practical effects mean to you in horror? No, I, you know, a big influence on me was always the eighties. And, uh, you know, I was a huge, you know, I would go to the video store and rent every single slasher, every Italian gallo, all of that. And I, I think that's, I think the first time I really became of a fat, you know, where practical effects was probably my first, you know, with the howling and American, American werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. And I was just so like, flabbergasted that they literally made a guy turn into a wolf and it just i was it was amazing it blew me away and i you know i i miss those days <laughs> well cool uh jim same question where where is what is how has practical effects affected you with horror well i mean i grew up in the in the halcyon days of vhs uh you know horror movies uh, down in dirty budgets as well so i mean almost all the horror movies i consumed as a kid were practical effects just you know because i'm so damn old but uh-huh. i mean i also, i also used to uh read a lot of uh, fangoria magazine mm-hmm. uh in the 80s along with my burgeoning horror fandom and the, it always fascinated me to see behind the scenes like well you mentioned the you know the howling or whatever like when they first used air bladders underneath latex you know things Mm-hmm. little things like that you know and you know the behind the scenes kind of looked everything even like the the retro stuff they'd have in fangoria sometimes like showing you know jack pierce with the the iconic makeup he would do on frankenstein and the wolfman and the mummy and his you know long collaboration with karloff you know um i mean these are practical effects that have become iconic you know in, in the decades since you know so i mean I, I definitely have come to my love of horror through practical effects and it's you know only been recently with the advent of CGI that that you know I've I've not been exposed to that. So, mm-hmm. Todd, were you similarly rip, ripping through the pages of Fangoria and finding your way through horror that way? Uh, sort of, not entirely, because I admit that I'm kind of late to the game when it comes to horror. As a teenager in the '80s, I kind of didn't delve into horror that much because. Partially because of the practical effects. I, th- I think I, you know, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I heard my friends on the school playground talk about, you know, that guy's chest that busts open in the thing and things like that. I'm going, I don't want to see that, you know, and, and so I kind of <laughs> I kind of was standoffish about it for a long, long time. And it's really only in, in later years in my adult life that I've really started to pay more attention to it. But I did always have a little bit of a morbid curiosity about it. I was certainly interested in the process of things and you know even though i would page through a fangoria or something like that and go that's disgusting i don't want to see that i was still very interested in the process you know and and part of that i think also stems from my own interests i have been throughout not just my childhood but into my adult years i've worked in the art of puppetry and things like that so where elements of that art form have played into horror effects has always been something that's been very intriguing to me so even when i was kind of put off by the gore as a young person i still was very interested in what they were doing and how they were making it all work well very cool and it's glad i mean always cool to get like a variety of different opinions on this as far as like how we came into horror or whatnot um as far as 
I'm concerned. I, there's not a real difference between me and the rest of you guys. I'm just a little bit younger, so I didn't get to uh, grow up in the 80s specifically to see horror movies, but I've certainly, you know, <laughs> I am a huge horror fan. I've certainly seen my share. And in the realm of special effects or special practical effects, yeah, there's a lot of gross stuff out there, um, and I, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to revisit it. Um, certainly for the films that I really enjoy, I just actually was able to watch uh, the Evil Dead this week at a at the Frida Cinema down here, which it had a the, the restored ver- like the new remastered version of Evil Dead with a new score and everything. Oh, nice! Um, so, but it looked fantastic. Um, at the same time, it certainly looks like a movie that was made for very little money because you can see all the makeup, you can see everything. It all stands out in a very obvious way it doesn't take away from the appeal there's just something about what sam raimi did with that film where i just mm-hmm. like i have no real issue with the fact that yes i could see that they're wearing masks or whatever other tricks they're deploying but it just it's just one of many examples of like how i think brandon, brandon peters who unfortunately couldn't make it tonight he actually got a little sick but um he talks a lot about how there's a tangible quality to these effects that really makes a difference compared to certain other uses of visual effects these days regardless of how good the cgi can be in certain films or whatnot there's something about being able to like reach out and touch it that just makes it mm-hmm. it gives it a whole different dimension whether that makes it scarier or just more involving it, it you can t- we can you can tell there, there's something about that that makes it unique it's definitely 100 yeah absolutely. yeah it's like it's like a textural thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like the the cgi in, in horror movies to me almost seems too well done a lot of times you know what i mean too clean and and the the practical effects have like you said you know like have that that kind of connotation to them of almost i don't want to say like a griminess but almost like a reality like a textual reality that yeah a lot of CGI doesn't seem to have. For well, sure. I, I think griminess is a, is a good term there because actually one of the things I find watching more recent films where you've got the CGI blood splatter and things like that, it doesn't have the same effect as when you watch something from the 70s or 80s and you go, man, what they put those actors through, uh-huh. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, hours and makeup, uh, just like, yeah, like you guys are talking about text, texture. You can see it. You can feel it. You get like, I don't know. It's it's like you watch the CGI and, you know, it's kind of frustrating, actually, because bad CGI can really, really destroy a horror film. I mean, look at, you know, a lot of recent movies like that I've actually liked. And I hate to pick on this movie, but you look at a movie like Mama which had a really good idea and a really good story. And then you have that awful effect of the, the, the character. Yeah. It's like, it, it kills the mood, man. It, if you had a, even a, a little practical, it would have been so much better. But I mean, there are, there are horror movies that make the best of the, the, the uh, CGI though, too. I mean, sure. I, I, I know it's not really a horror movie just per se, but an, Annihilation, for instance. Um, oh, Yeah. Incredibly haunting and, and horrific uh, imagery in there, almost all CGI. So. Well, it certainly comes yeah. down to like how directors and filmmakers are using what tools they have at their disposal. Some someone like James Cameron, for example, like knows what effects work. He, I mean, a guy that's certainly invested himself into CGI, but certainly has this, you know, he also, you know, he's responsible for Terminator and Aliens, which are very well. He's also effects. they're he's all yeah. He's a very very. Pra- I mean, he was like you know. When he did Piranha 2, he was actually literally making piranhas. Yeah. You know, so he knows this stuff. He knows he knows the inside and out effects. So he can handle it. He can do the CG and yeah. he can do practical, which and, is rare. And I'm right. like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like citing a master filmmaker. I mean, there's a lot. There's yeah. What I'm saying is there are directors that like you're saying, Jim. I mean, what's his name? Um, Alex Garland. Is it Alex Garland? 
Um, yeah. Yes, Alex Garland. Yeah, like, I mean, his previous film, uh, Ex Machina, before that, like, they're both, yeah, they're heavily reliant on CGI effects, but they also, they have a way of blending in in just the right way or being used just enough or being shown in the right way. Like, there's just ways to use these things that, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, in, mm-hmm. they don't intrude, they don't intrude on the tone of what's being shown or, like, make you, mm-hmm. rub you the wrong way because of how interesting the effect is or what the actors are doing around it where others and when i think of, when you think of i guess we'll get to this as we kind of go through the decades but i mean when it comes to cgi it's largely like monster movies from the like 90s and early 2000s when cgi is kind of really starting to come into fruition and it's like mm-hmm. yeah like uh, like the relic like okay, actually the relic does have practical effects i mean it has yeah. a mix the, like yeah. the, relic, the relic has some fun practical effects it does yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's got a mix of things like or like uh anaconda what a great movie. Is like yeah there's 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 movies that have like this like back and forth between yeah this works and then this is like a big cgi thing and it's like all right uh, <laughs> uh but let, well let's go let's go back in time a bit before we get like caught up to where we are now um as far as kind of what i don't want to spend too much time because as i mentioned pre-air there's literally decades and decades and de- there's a century worth of horror films and there's all kinds of different effects um that go into making them it's certainly of course in every every decade before the 90s um well, with that said, getting to like early days of cinema, what do we have? We mainly have like the Universal Monster movies, right? That's as uh-huh. far as uh, early stages yeah. of effects where it's what mm-hmm. reliant on uh, Jim. You already mentioned this, like Frankenstein, the Wolfman, like putting together right. Jack, the Jack Pierce designs. I mean, uh, totally uh-huh. iconic. You know, I mean, we all when I think of everybody thinks of Frankenstein, they think of that makeup. Uh, he ended up uh, you know pairing off with uh, Bela Lugosi for for uh, Universal's Dracula as well. And, you know, not so much you know prosthetic makeup for that, but just more of you know getting the paleness right in Bela Lugosi's face and things like that. He ended up, you know, collaborating with Karloff again on the mummy, you know, creating that, that look for him. Um, very, uh, you know, very influential. I mean, he was, he was the guy, you know, there was really no prosthetic makeup other than what he was doing back in that time. And you know, Jack Pierce was definitely the, um, you know, the pioneer of that for sure. Mm-hmm. So well, those makeup effects are so so effective. I, I love that era with the the Universal monsters and and some of the films that kind of surround it uh, that aren't Universal. Um, you know where they have just such wonderful makeup effects that still hold up to this day. The one that oh, yeah. jumps out to me always, you know, as much as great as Frankenstein is and and Dracula and the Mummy and and those, uh, the one that always jumps out for me for makeup effects of this era is Island of Lost Souls, uh, which oh, is, yeah. is yeah. so yeah. often the, ignored. The Charles Long uh, version, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's my favorite version of the the Island of Dr. Moreau story and has some great performances in there. Bella Lugosi among them under, you know, just a ton of makeup. You, you hardly recognize him at all. But I think that's one of the great things that that works with this era is that it's not just the makeup effects, but you have some brilliant actors underneath it that are really knowing how to make the makeup effect work to its fullest advantage. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I imagine I. <clears throat> I only know, I'm trying to think of so much about like the backgrounds of some of these actors, but I have to imagine like between the silent era and just performing on stage, you really have to like have an understanding of how big to play something. And especially if you're confined by a suit or, you know, crazy wig and nose and what have you, or just like padded on makeup, like you have, you, you already as an actor have a level of control where, especially in that time where there's just nothing like that, it's not necessarily considered a B, it's still a B picture to a degree, but it's like, 
you're really like as an actor they must be like really working with something to make something out of it and i have to imagine mm -hmm. because they because they did it so much when you have you know some of these key icons of this era of horror i have to imagine they had a respect for it because it's not just like you know you you don't just sit in that chair because you're gonna half-ass it right like you gotta uh -huh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um let's see we're talking about the 30s so far i mean there, there's a, there is like significant stuff in the silent era as well i mean the phantom of the opera is like among among those um uh, nosferatu, uh, nosferatu. Oh, yeah. cabinet of dr calgary yep. in there yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah i want to keep i want to keep moving so yeah let's see after the moving into into the 40s we get what we get more universal monster stuff really um that's when the monsters well, I... went from scary to goofy too yeah, and they yeah, start but... making movies of Abbott and Costello and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then... if you're talking effects in in that era too, I mean, we've kind of jumped over King Kong there. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. Very important when it comes to the effects, you know. Yeah, the stop motion practical effects. Obviously, I mean, if you want to talk about practical and like tangible, you can really see just everything, every, all the detail, all the the personality that goes into it just comes from the way the fur moves and what have you. Like, there's. Mm -hmm. Plenty right. there, and that yeah, obviously that played a huge role in. Oh, totally. Willis O'Brien is, is you know a, a real pioneer in that, and you know opened the way for people like Ray Harryhausen and other sure. people to mm -hmm. to really take advantage of that stop motion in in a thing. Also in the the 40s, we see the and we see a lot in the 50s in monster movies, uh, the process shot, you know, where, or the mat shot, where we see people in the foreground, but in the background we see something giant, like an mm. ant in in them or. Mm. A tarantula in tarantula, tarantula. As, as you were, <laughs> or you know, uh, whatever. But um, that that was the real staple of horror movies in the fifties, uh, especially the monster, big monster movies. I mean, people started being afraid of nuclear stuff. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we went from like the uh, old world superstitions in the thirties to fifties being the atomic age, and you know, we have a whole new set of horrors to go with that. You know, and a whole new set of special effects to get those across. In addition to that, you start, I mean, you get Vincent Price and what, what, uh, Castle, like they're starting to do their thing as well. Um, obviously, I can't go without mentioning Godzilla, who comes in and Pseudimation becomes a huge, <laughs> huge thing for the, uh, <laughs> the kaiju cinema that comes around and certainly keeps becoming more and more of a thing throughout the 60s and 70s. Because I know we all have certain picks that we're going to get into, so I don't want to like go too far into detail. I'm just trying to get to like, significant things that happen <laughs> in the effects world at this point. 60s, yeah, pretty similar to like what the fifth, what's going off the 50s. Um, 70s, we start getting bloodier. I think is the best way to say. Yeah, it. Like, oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah. and way, well, more, I mean, you know, way more realistic actually, too. I would, I would actually, I think uh, George Romero should be actually mentioned for Night of the Living Dead. Sure. You know, obviously, mm -hmm. and but that kind of leads into the 70s as well with Dawn of the right. Dead, of course. But Night of the Living Dead was 68, so yeah, that totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But, um, well, and, and as mean, things get bloodier but... too, I, I think it's important to mention the Hammer influence of things oh, of too, course. because yeah, Hammer sure. definitely stepped things up when it came to the bloodiness and such. And, yeah, and, using, yeah. and using you know um, using like really small effects to great detail, you know, like the the contact lenses Christopher Lee would wear as Dracula in a Hammer movie, for instance, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't really dependent on special effects as much as a lot, but then the 60, and I would definitely put it at uh, Night of the Living Dead. You see this pivot from like the, uh, the, the more fantastical horror to like more realistic horror in the seventies, you know, with like Halloween, you know, and Texas all the slasher Chainsaw. picks, Texas Chainsaw, 
um, things, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, again, we see the the fear shifting with the times. You know, we, yeah. we start hearing about the advent of serial killers, and lo and behold, we start seeing them on our screens. You know, and you get your mix of like religious well, and, horror and, still factors into like The Exorcist or The yeah, Omen, like totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Right? Carry, yeah, I was just gonna throw that out that. Yeah, the seventies had a lot of the supernatural, the satanic panic, that type oh, of thing. Oh yeah. Uh, and then you get a giant blockbuster like Jaws, which relies on a, a huge practical effect that, that never works. It, it works <laughs> it, it's so effective because of how little the the effect actually worked in filming it. So, yeah. Yeah, right. But yeah, I, the the eighties yeah, then things <laughs> take a turn towards the slasher fair. Um, as well as the gore. Um between the aforementioned Evil Dead and things like that, and obviously like Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, where things get mm. fantastical in the same rel- at the same time they're getting uh, bloodier and more not necessarily sadistic, but certainly more engaging with how can we dismember or ruin bodies in various ways. The eighties yeah. too is like <laughs> the time when uh, it's almost like the heyday of practical effects. You know, you yeah. got Rob Bottin, you got Rick Baker, you know, all those guys. I'm I'm doing doing their thing and um i mean we see you know first prosthetics you know we see things like that at first you know all kinds of firsts in 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 special effects i mean you know i'm I'm sure we're going to talk about later but look at the thing from john carpenter i mean oh my gosh yeah i mean how many different ways did that innovate with special effects you know and it just um i i feel like you know that was really like almost like the high watermark you know, in the 80s and 90s for, for practical effects in horror movies. Not trying to focus mm. on CG, but, I mean, think think of, like, The Thing and Nightmare on Elm Street. Look at the, you know, the original, ver- or at least the 80s versions of those movies versus the CG-enhanced versions of the remakes, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. that's, ex- I mean, among other reasons, that's a huge part of why those movies are, I don't even like talking about them, like The Thing. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare like, something I'd is- honestly forgotten about the remake of the thing until you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all called the same things. Yeah. So it doesn't help. Uh, the, <laughs> but with like Nightmare, particularly, something that like Freddy coming out of the walls in a practical manner. How do you mess that up in a remake where they're like, well, we'll just use CG this time, and somehow they like wrote that off and are like, well, I guess we nailed it. Like, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how that movie got to the theaters with that with that version of that sequence, and everyone's thinking. Yeah, this is a better version of what they did in '84. <laughs> like it's 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 nonsense <laughs> to me, <laughs> and it doesn't seem like it'd be. The, it seems like it'd be cheaper just to do the same effect again. So I don't know what what the logic was there. Um, but get to the '90s, it's still just a continuation of the '80s. You get you get, I mean, you talk about, sure. the, talk about the heyday. It's just everything that worked then just looks slightly better now in the '90s. Or <laughs> like it, you you mm. have things like what Candyman or the Child's Play sequels. Um, among others, I mean, we've talked about '90s horror before, and what's there and what isn't. But I mean, you're still getting kind of the in a time where CGI and CG enhanced things are entering the fray. You're getting like the best versions of prosthetics, the best versions of a lot of the things that were already kind of working quite well. 2000s, yeah, there's more CGI stuff, but there's certainly you know like the, the zombie genre makes a comeback and. The, mm-hmm. for, the fortunate thing about zombie movies is you generally get a lot of practical zombies out of them, and so there's a lot of like elaborate <laughs> effects to make the you know faces look dilapidated or you know cut off an arm here or there or have just people being eaten and devoured by whatnot. That's where we kind of saw the movement back by some filmmakers too toward practical effects away from CGI because mm-hmm. remember CGI peaked in popularity, and then I know Christopher Nolan and other you know filmmakers were kind of 
uh, you know, not turning their back on it, but but going back to practical effects to try to, you know, um, get that feel, you know, like that visceral feel that we were talking about earlier. Credit Michael Bay where it's due. His Platinum Dunes company, like, is what, however the quality of the films are, they, it does, it tends to have a blend of things. Um, I mean, that, what, that Friday, the Friday the 13th, God, that was a long time ago at this point. <laughs> like the, yeah, it really was. It really was. <laughs> that and like the Texas Chainsaw, like there are movies that they, I mean, they have some, you know, they got a budget so they can work with some other effects as well, but they certainly rely heavily on, you know, practical stuff. Um, mm. And even now, I mean, we're, you know, Bloomhouse is according to the market and they're, you know, they shoot in three rooms and don't cost very much money so you don't have to like rely on too many fancy effects there's more camera tricks and there are like practical things going on um and right. you, you get you get some stuff i mean we we're talking about what midsummer earlier like that movie relied yeah. i mean there's it's a mix of visual trickery as well as you know you got a person getting a hammer to the face it's a very old effect <laughs> idea. oh my gosh like, yeah. doesn't have to go it's... too far out of there um well in our the best I can do to briefly go over the timeline of uh, practical effects. Let's get to some key figures in this world. You already mentioned a couple names. I, I, I think I heard a Rick Baker. I think I heard a Rob Botton. Um, there's, there's, there's certainly plenty of other uh, notable names as well. Um, where, where do we want to start with this, guys? We mentioned Romero. Uh, How about Tom Savini? How about I was going to say, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. know, I know Savini personally, so if I don't mention him, he will literally come to my house and hurt me. I've had friends of mine graduate his school, and uh, I put one of his movies in my five that we want to talk about or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, talk about you know an innovator in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in that field, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. mentioned. Yeah. And just ask him because he'll tell you. <laughs> no, he's a talker. No, he's he's a great. He's a legend in his own yeah. mind. He really is. But he's, oh, I mean, he's all of these effects guys tend to be talkers. Character. They all, they all yeah. tend to. Yeah, you know. they do. But uh, you know, they have Savini, a lot of stories to tell. Yeah. Well, sure. Savini, yeah, best known for what the 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 Dead series, uh, the, from Dawn of the Dead onward, um, mm-hmm. early Dawn and Day. Um, I'm sorry, I just stumbled. What's the other? There's another like. I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, well, there's. Savini. What, oh, uh, of Savini's work? Yeah, Savini. Uh, gosh, why am I blanking? No, well, well, not yeah. only did he collaborate with uh, Romero all those years, but he also has his own school of makeup and uh, mm-hmm. and effects right now. A couple of my friends have, uh, but I mean, Dust Till Dawn, he he was in that, of course, as uh, you know, Sex Machine. Well, yeah. <laughs> Savini is a, is a good actor. I enjoy yeah. Savini. As no, he has an a good actor. screen he presence. He has a fun screen he presence. Is. That's great to see. Uh, people uh, forget he was in actually non horror. He was actually in Perks of Being a Wallflower. Very different kind of movie for him. Right, right. In uh, Romero's Night Riders, he's the highlight of that film for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But I uh, he, he worked on uh, Friday the 13th, Maniac. Yeah. Uh, the Burning, Creepshow. I was going to say, The uh, Burning is one that I had on my list of potentials to talk about here today. So, yeah, we'll throw that out now. The Burning has some wonderful Savini effects uh, in it. Yeah, yeah. that the, the rap scene is, is I, it's like if you ever want to show people a great sequence in a horror film, the rap sequence in The, the Burning so, is just beautiful. So I, I had, didn't know this. He did. I'm sorry. He did the effects for Killing Zoe. Oh really? The Roger Avery uh, film, yeah, wild, huh? I'm sorry. That sounds huh? that sounds like Avery and Tarantino were like, oh, we gotta get, we can get Savini in this, and they like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say I had actually not seen The Burning until until last year, 
and I was not oh, familiar, wow. I was not familiar with like the key sequence that happens and I was like messaging Brandon, I was like this movie's pretty fun and then it gets to the raft sequence and it's like this movie's crazy like I, this, is, this, is, this is insane <laughs> oh my it's like I, this, this quadruple burning is quintuple murder that takes place it's oh, wonderful and it's it's a criminally underappreciated film I mean I think it, agreed. It, Mm-hmm. The problem is that it, it came out, I think, exactly a year after Friday the 13th, and it, it's you got a similar premise, so it's so overshadowed by that film. I, I got to be honest, some people may find this heresy, but I like The Burning better than the original Friday the 13th. It's written by Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. I I I'm, I don't think I disagree with you there, Todd. Like, because I, I, I I'm not the biggest Friday fan, but I also yeah, yeah, I always like the really Friday Thirteenth Part Two better than the first one. See, I I am a I I I am a like Friday Thirteenth. Uh, like I love Friday Thirteenth, every single one of them, yes. even the really crappy ones. So like I I, I love the Burning. I love Madman. I love uh, Just Before Dawn. All that shit. And, but I have a, you know, I have a soft spot for Friday the 13th and Mrs. Voorhees. I, I don't know. I just, I love that movie so much. But The Burning is amazing, and it has Holly Hunter and uh, George from Seinfeld. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Fisher yeah. Stevens is Jay, in it. Yeah, there's Fisher a bunch Stevens, of people yeah, in there. There's a bunch of people yeah. in that one. Um, let's move on. Let's, uh, Rick Baker. Let's talk about him for a bit. Okay. Uh, um, I mainly want to get to him because I, I, we're, we're all going to talk about American Werewolf in London. I mean, that's the, uh, like we might as well just throw that one out there right now. Not, not familiar. Never heard of it. <laughs> and no, yeah. What, <laughs> it's it's amazing. I've said this before, but it's amazing to me that somehow that 1981 film has not been topped in terms of werewolf transformations. I mean, no, not at all. We've gotten like what six underworlds or whatever. It's like, but everything like <laughs> this is it's such an amazing sequence that rightfully won an oscar um mm-hmm. because it just it, it's not just the fact that he turns into a werewolf it's how painful it looks it mm-hmm. like it looks oh yeah it looks it looks yeah. like a terrible thing to happen to somebody and just the the use of the way the hands change and the hair appears and the face extends everything about that is just like brilliant in a well, movie it that... is very it's very uncomfortable to become yeah. a werewolf trust me on this one <laughs> oh, i'll take your word for it well, and not just the werewolf effects in in that film, but the stuff that they do to Griffin Dunn in oh my American God. Werewolf. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's some great too. zombie stuff in that movie. <laughs> like, I know. There's yeah. great everything in that movie. That yeah. movie is perfect. I'm yeah, that, sorry, actually, that's it's a gets, perfect film. Arrow's releasing it on a new Blu-ray release, like in the next oh, cool. week. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to getting that because yeah, yeah nice. there are very there are so few movies that straddle that horror and humor line. I mean, I could think of like that and Evil Dead, maybe Shaun of the Dead. You know, they're but yeah, American Werewolf in London, classic. Well, yeah. And while we're on the subject of Rick Baker, I, I mean, you know, I guess call this a film or don't call it a film. You take your pick. But one that had a big influence on me when it comes to Rick Baker is the music video for Thriller. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. oh yeah, for no, sure. I I was very. I wrote an art, a whole article last I year guess. that was like why Michael Jackson's Thriller is the one of the best horror movies of all time because it's it's, uh, it's pretty absolutely. brilliant. In that regard. I will never I will never forget the hype around that that week they premiered that video. There was like a two hour making of special, mm-hmm. and oh my god, it was it was the media event that that uh, Halloween. But yeah, no, it's it's terrific as far as like just seeing the the different design. And I mean, he's using like the same thing he did for werewolf essentially so it's just like yeah get rick baker on this i can understand why john land is like yeah this makes sense come on michael let's Mm -hmm. do it uh Uh, i'd like to throw out a name we haven't mentioned yet if i could sure uh dick smith 
Yeah. I was, dude, I was going to say exactly that. Oh, my God. Man. So, yes. ma- so many movies amazing. and shows. I mean, amazing. So many amazing affairs. I mean, The Exorcist, The Godfather, The Stepford Wives, Taxi Driver, Scanners. Uh, scanners. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to mention that because it's on my list. Oh, but, okay. I mean, look at that. You know, The Hunger, so many, so many, um, you know, Poltergeist. Uh, so many great movies he did and, you know, created the effects for. Also, uh, Chris Wallace, who was a, a collaborator of his, who also worked with Cronenberg quite a bit mm-hmm. um, on a lot of his movies. He did a lot of the effects uh, along with Rob Botton for The Fly. Uh, Gremlins he worked on. Um, uh, the Star Wars movies, the original Piranha. Um, Humanoids from the Deep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, he worked on uh, the, did- the Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Uh, did, wait, did you mention Altered States? You have to mention Altered States. I have not yet. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So good. Totally. totally. But, uh, yeah, those are two I threw out there really quick. Uh, you know, Dick Smith and Chris Wallace. I mean, you, um, you just jumped to Rob Botton from there because, yes, obviously right. Rob Botton's <laughs> a, a, a huge <laughs> impact on all of this. Uh, between The Fog and the, th- the Thing is another one that we can just kind of talk about right now. I mean, The Thing... The thing... <laughs> I mean, when you th- when when I brought up the topic of practical horror effects, this is like the go-to imagery that you think of, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. the the thing has so many. It's not just like things you understand, but things you've just never seen before. <laughs> just yeah, the, yeah. The right. Way right. Dogs turn into crazy plant creatures, or the, the head that turns into a spider. Or the thing that, I mean, I'll just get to this now because I have other picks, but I mean, the thing on my list, the thing that gets me every time when I watch the thing is the defibrillator scene. Yeah. Every every single time time I'm like, it just catches me off guard. I don't know how it does it, but it just works. (laughs) It's just an amazing piece of, of, of business where he's just like, you're so, you're so, I guess you're just so into the story. You're so into like what's going on with the characters that you're just not expecting an entire chest to open up just then, let alone eat the person's arms. (laughs) It's insane. (laughs) It's, it's amazing. He's still doing. He just did work on Game of Thrones just five years ago. Uh-huh. Wow! Um, wow! So many movies in, in between. I mean, obviously, yeah, going back did. to 1978, uh, King Kong. Yeah, him and Rick Baker were working on, working on King Kong. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was, was he? No, no. I'm I'm thinking of someone else. I was. Uh, well, there's one film I I got to get to later, but uh, it's. He also did uh someone said humanoids from the deep. I, that, God, what a great movie! What a yeah, weird, yeah. weird, <laughs> goddamn weird. I've got it on, I've got it on VHS. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, me too. <laughs> Legend is another one of his as well. Um, that well the, how, the Howling flick. too, that you mentioned mm-hmm. before. Yeah, the Howling. Yeah. RoboCop. Yeah, he's he's big Verhoeven guy because he has RoboCop, Total Recall, and and like Basic Instinct. Like he was all yeah. all over those. Uh, and uh, Deep Rising, which we've done a commentary track for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see who else. Stan Winston, of course, comes to mind as well. Right. Uh, I mean, the 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 Terminator designs, and I mean, he did some Spielberg work. He got those dinosaurs going on, but I mean, Stan Winston has uh, plenty of credits when it comes to kind of the makeup effect world in general. And, uh, the the predator is the one that jumps out for me. There you with go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just the design of that is just incredible. Oh, I mean, it, you know, the, I, I still I am amazed just with the outlandishness of the design for that creature. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I mean, and they, the fact <laughs> that they, you know, they they uh, got rid of the first design they had. Yeah, I was like, going to say, this, let's do so... this better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm so glad they didn't go with the first design. Yeah. That would have been totally different. Let's do a better version of this. And yeah, they came up with an iconic, like, 
horror character. Like, I mean, it, it, just everything about the, uh, the the mask, the dreads, the, the skin that he has, the face with the mandibles, like everything about the Predator design is, is fantastic. Also, mm-hmm. he worked in Aliens, of course, as well. Um, <laughs> wow. He got, he got on both sides of that coin. <laughs> uh, let's see. Who else do I have here? Uh, Greg Nicotero, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Greg Nicotero, who uh, is his, what, KMB? Walking got... Dead, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, been, he's yeah. been a Walking Dead mainstay. He directs many episodes of Walking Dead mm-hmm. every season or whatnot. Uh, one of he... the, oh, I'm sorry. One of the things I was going to mention as an, uh, uh, a good practical effect, uh, a modern um, one, is the uh, the first episode of the new Creepshow anthology. Hmm. It's dire- directed by Greg Nicotero based on a Stephen King's story. Uh, you got Tobin Bell, Giancarlo Esposito, and uh, Adrian Barbeau in it, and uh, the story—it's uh, uh, all special. It's all practical effects, mm-hmm. and oh, wow. they, they look incredible. I don't want to spoil the story or whatever, but um, yeah, incredible practical effects and um, stuff I had never seen before in a practical effect. So I need to catch that. I, I I'm late to the party on that one. It's, it is good. I keep hearing it's really good. <laughs> I'm enjoying it a lot, and I was a big okay. fan of the original, so. Good to hear, cool. good to hear. But yeah, Nicotero, I guess having like his studio and everything too, like he's become like such a, like he's working consistently on like tons of stuff, like since the, since the eighties. Like I think what, like Evil mm-hmm. Dead 2 was like one of his first things and mm-hmm. like, yeah. which is a movie that's off the walls of all kinds of crazy. It's a, it's well, when he was here for the Living Dead Con uh, here in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, he was, a, he was a rock star. He was surrounded. Mm-hmm. The whole time he was there at the at the con in Monroeville Mall, uh, people gave his autograph, talking to him. Uh, he was he was like the celeb. So he's another one that has yeah, like him, like he's like a Savini, where he has a good personality about all this stuff too. Where he like really, really... and he's like an actor as well to an extent. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, let's see who else. Uh, Tony Gardner. Hey, come on! Tony Gardner did Zombieland, so let's give him credit for that. He did yeah. Bad Grandpa. Great, def- and, great makeup effects. And, and, Oscar, and Oscar nominated for Bad Grandpa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he did, did Hocus Pocus, which is, you know, definitely well regarded. A lot of people like that movie a lot. I have a I have a confession. I've never watched Hocus Pocus, nor do I care about ever seeing Hocus Pocus. Yeah, ever. I, I watched it with my wife and she liked it a lot, but I was not. You'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think I'm good to not skip that one. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> And including the sequel coming up. Well, I got to to Bob Keane. Bob Keane, who did uh, Hellraiser. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah waxwork. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love waxwork. I know you do. That's why I mentioned it. Love it. Uh, Candyman. <laughs> Isn't that a Charles Band movie? Waxwork? Oh, I'm thinking no, else. no. It was... Uh, what was his, oh, God. What's his name? I forget. For Wax- yeah, Ju- Julian Sands was in it, though, right? Or no, yeah, no, no. No, oh, actually, sure. uh, Zach, Gill- Zach Gilligan. Zach Gilligan yeah. and, De- oh, okay. and the lovely, lovely Deborah Foreman, who I had a big crush on as a kid. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got that confused. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, John Dykstra. Known more for uh, computer effects these days. Like, he won Oscars for right. his kind of visual effects work. But, I mean, he got to start on things like, st- things like Star Wars. Um, among other, like... Visual effects based stuff. Uh, any other like notable? I mean, we mentioned some of the ones from back in the back in the early days. Well, we we didn't really. I mean, I, I don't think of this person as much with horror. I think more fantasy. But mm-hmm. he did some great effects that you 
could consider horrific. I'm mainly thinking of Harryhausen here and his skeletons. For sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I love the Harryhausen skeletons. Yeah, he's involved in monster movies, and so that that's horror. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, te- and technically, he's been an, a huge influence on a lot of modern other, a lot of other. Right. I mean, Evil Dead, obviously. Yeah, the Army, really the Army of Darkness, that. specifically. I mean, the Army of Darkness, <laughs> absolutely. Giant skeleton armies. <laughs> yeah, so very much an influence. All right. Yeah, no, going through this, let's 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 start getting to our picks because there's just, I mean, we, we can keep naming stuff. We'll just eventually name all the movies <laughs> that we generally have here. Uh, but Jimmy, let's start with you. What's your what's the first pick you want to make? Well, you know, I wanted to go with something that was a little smaller, and it's a, it's a, a a film, and I think it's a excellent film, very underrated by Toby, Toby Wilkins. It's called Splinter. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Wow! I, re- I remember the first time watching that movie and just not knowing anything about it. It's unnerving how how gruesome and how how amazing the effects are in this just tiny little film. And I believe Tony went on to do what? Uh, the, 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 the Harry Potter ghost story, the, the, what, the woman that I can't think of, the woman in black. The woman in black, uh, yeah. Yeah, I believe he did that first one of that, I think. But uh, yeah, this movie is it's just a little tiny film, but it had some of the best effects, uh, practical effects I'd seen in a long time. Uh, It's one of those rare movies. I don't even know. It's hard to find, too. I don't I don't even own it, but it used to be streaming a lot like I. Yeah, that's where I I saw it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great cast, though. You have Shea Wiggum. You have you have good actors, but it's a. just a small little film, just an amazing movie, though. I, I highly recommend people seek that out. The, just the, the way the monster, like, forms. Well, it's interesting just... that the director of, of Splinter is also, uh, or Toby Wilkins, who you're talking about, he's also a visual effects guy. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense, so yeah. He has, like, 30 visual effects critic uh, credits and 13 directors, so he yeah. definitely would have an eye for how that would work and stuff. Yeah, and it, it that movie, please seek it out. Splinter is a great one for Halloween. Sound design was key in that one, as I read. Oh, been, God, I, yeah, I haven't seen so that in good. like probably a decade, but um, I, but yeah, I remember sound, the sound in particular because you have to based off what's going on in that film, you, you really have to like get into it on that <laughs> level. Man, that's um, an uncomfortable movie to watch sometimes. It's just gruesome. <laughs> uh, Todd, what's the first? Uh, film you want to highlight here you know i i'm really torn as to what to to share because i i made a, quite a large list here not knowing what everybody else would pick and some of I them are <laughs> very famous <laughs> and some of them are a bit more obscure because I, on my blog and my podcast i tend to dwell on you know the the films that have kind of uh, gone somewhat forgotten so i take one that uh, to start with here that's kind of middle of the road that had an impact on me back in the 80s uh but the gate uh is oh. one that uh, I always remember for its unique effects, a mixture of costume stuff and stop motion stuff. I mean, like when I was going through my picks, I was always thinking of, OK, what's a scene that really had an impact on me? And I remember the moment where there's a guy who is is stalking the kids here and then he, he drops, falls flat on his face and it instantly turns into a like a dozen little demons that start running around and it's like you go whoa you know when you see that as a 13 year old you're like that's amazing yeah they do Uh that and so yeah and the gate is just it's a fun 80s story that involves a gateway to hell at a kid's backyard and playing records backwards to summon up demons and crud like that you know so yeah yeah, (laughs) but the, the gate is just so much fun it has some some wonderful 
practical effects that were, you know, probably pretty low budget efforts there to pull them off, but they work incredibly well. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Good yeah, one. What, what's your uh, first picture? I'm going to go for low hanging fruit to start out with and say Cronenberg's The Fly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, good one. Uh, just because of the the stages that Brundlefly goes through and and like slowly and, sure, and then the the whole dream sequence with the 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 birth uh, <laughs> and you know like. Jeff Goldblum literally picking pieces off of himself. Uh, it's just, it's one of those, um, um, uh, you know, practical effects that you just don't forget about yeah, ever the, after the, seeing that movie. The, um, him vomiting up onto, um, oh, what's the guy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it Getz again? Um, who is it? Yeah. John Getz. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. I, yeah. I just stumbled on this last time about like blood simple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he, he, like the vomiting on his arm to get the, and then he like cauterizes or like what? It's just nasty. Mm-hmm. It's so gross. <laughs> like everything involved well, in being a fly is gross when it's bigger. That's 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 right. <laughs> that movie well, is so that movie's so moist too. Yeah, it's, it's, like, a, it's a wet. It's movie. almost as moist as the original Alien. It's just super moist yeah, everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's a wet movie. Yeah. Let's see. I like that description of it. Moist. I like it. <laughs> it's a it's a weird kind of feeling when you get that in movie because it's it yeah. sticks out like it you talk about tangible it's not 3d but you're like Ugh. like it just no <laughs> like yeah like uh, well and the, the, the thing uh, about the fly just, too, just real quick just, just real quick a recent yeah, movie i ahead. saw a, real, a recent movie that i saw that i would describe as moist as high life the Claire Denis film. It's not a horror film per se. It's a sci-fi yeah, it is. Movie, so but it's that movie's, super moist. It's yeah, super that, humid too. It's it's <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's just it's all it's very humid. Yeah, even the lighthouse I would call a wet like a moist movie. Like it is like every. But regardless, what are you gonna say, Todd? Sorry. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I was gonna say the the fly is you know it's a movie that you could very easily you know try to accuse of just being gross for the sake of being gross but it's not the the emotional impact of uh-huh. all those effects that they have yeah. here and and what they play into the the story and where it goes it, it it's not just about doing the the grossest thing possible on screen uh, which kind of leads in well I, I i mean since we're talking about the fly uh, it's sequel which i got to admit i've got a strange place in my heart for the fly too <laughs> um you know, I, it, it's nowhere near the original. And in some cases, The Fly 2 is just being gross for the sake of being gross. But I'm strangely charmed by it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I haven't seen The Fly 2 in forever. Well, I, I haven't I, seen I've, the I've fly almost no memory too. of it at this point. So. Well, with The Fly, you have, I mean, technically, again, it, it comes down to character. And you have two really, really interesting. It's basically a love story. <laughs> You know, yeah. to a certain extent. So you have, and Gina Davis was remarkable. Jeff Goldblum is fantastic. So you have these characters that you actually give a shit about. And it, 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 it so when the, you know, when he's like peeling off his fingernails or doing all this gross shit, you're just like, okay, I, I, I care because I like these two people. I think mm-hmm. they're interesting. And that people forget that often, too often in horror films, I, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think like that, that mix of, of sympathy you have for the character, yet total repulsion uh, is is something that's like Cronenberg is a master at. Really, oh, God, yeah, so much. I mean, we're not to like put down the strength of the other directors, but yeah, Cronenberg is a guy coming off of having an interesting career, like between utilizing body horror, but also just being a competent filmmaker. Him going for like basically a blockbuster play, but making The Fly. It's like, yeah, of course it's going to work out as far as having the budget to make something disgusting, but also delivering on character and story like it is it's all right there right so it's, it's all mm-hmm. more effective because of it um 
the first I'm trying to go I'm going to try to go in chronological as I tend to do on these things. Uh, we mentioned this earlier. Nosferatu um, is my first pick uh, because the the Count Orlock character played by Max Schreck is so alien. Like it's the the work to kind of make this actor into this creature that's not just like a handsome vampire as we see in many other films, but just this like otherworldly being. Uh, which is something I like about a, another film that might or might not come up when it comes to kind of the character, the, the character of Dracula, as far as what you can do to him to make him not just be this like person that you that has charisma, but just this thing that you kind of can't stand but are intrigued by. That's what Count Orlock is. It's such a <laughs> and to uh, I mean you could say the same for Werner Herzog's remake of the film with Klaus Kinski. Like they're both just mm. these insane-looking monster things. Uh, that for some reason <laughs> are treated with respect by the visitors that come over. Um, but, but like the hands, the head, like all of that stuff, it just works really. The, that, and that Herzog film is really good too. Like I, I'm a huge Nosferatu fan. It is. But I, it and is. I really love the uh, Herzog 70s version as well. Like it's just so, I mean, that movie, it, it really, the way things kind of like just feel like death is present at every corner. Like it's just, it's interesting that way. But yeah, mm. um, Nosferatu from that. That is Isabella Johnny, right? I'm 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 getting the right girl for that, right? Correct. Uh, Was she in Nosferatu? Am I, or I'm th- thinking of something else. No, you're, right, yeah, 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 you're okay. correct. Is right, yeah. yeah, Isabella Johnny. Yeah. Now, yeah. who to start with? Jimmy, what's your next pick? Well, I, you know, I'm going to go to a film that I love, and I know a few people have some issues with some of the plot points and a little bit of a twist, but I think it's phenomenal. I love High Tension. I love the the not the not the crappy dub version. I love the original, brutal, grotesque. Uh, th- this movie is scared the crap out of me. It got under my skin because it felt like, you know, for me, like the scariest thing is you're, you know, once alone somewhere, come, someone comes at you and, and just brutalizes you and your family. Uh, I, I love this. I love this film. I love Cecil de France's performance and the gore effects are just gruesome they're just they they they're almost sickening they're almost sickening it's you know i believe they actually shot more of when the i well spoiler alert when uh you know one of the smaller members of the family is killed i believe they actually toned that down but they sure as hell don't tone down the rest of the deaths i yeah. love this film i love it i will say this because i'm not a huge fan of high tension and mm-hmm. even even alexandra aja kind of goes back and forth but i i do respect his commitment to like going hard with his movies like like mm-hmm. uh, like i liked crawl but i was impressed how restrained it felt by comparison to the other films that he's made oh for sure for <laughs> sure but yeah i generally i'm half and half with him i yeah i like about half of it i like i love high tension i love uh the, the hills have eyes and i love crawl but and maybe I like high movies. tension more now. I've only I only saw the ones in theaters, and I was just too pissed off by by the end of it. <laughs> what, yeah. what, here, here's the thing about this movie, and let's just, let's really quickly get into the 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 quote unquote twist that people have a problem with. You know, people are like, oh well, she there's no truck, there's no this, there's no that. Yeah, because a serial killer is saying that oh this is what happened. That's the way I look at the film. She begins her telling the story, blah blah blah. You know, Henry Lee Lucas didn't tell the truth when he was investigated. Most of these guys don't. So I, I'm kind of willing to let that slide a little bit because this is her quote unquote, you know, that's how it happened for her. You know, so I, 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 and, I and her performance is outstanding. She's so good in that movie. And that the, the, the scene with the, the, the dad is just, wow, that, that, that just 
got under my skin. I love this film. It certainly had moments that I recall, like like it, like you're saying, Cells of France is very good in it. I don't deny that, and I do mm-hmm. like the, there's a there's a kind of pro- there's a propelling thing going on with like using Muse on the soundtrack or whatnot when there's like a chase aspect mm-hmm. of the film that I recall that worked pretty well. And like, that song is perfect. Yeah, it's perfect yeah, for it. Which I believe ends the film as well too. Like it just kicks back in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, speaking of which, we didn't actually get to this, but like Alexander Aja, speaking of effects that kind of came back, we were talking about how practical effects kind of came back into play in the 2000s and onward. He is a, Aja is a part of what they called like what the Splat Pack, where you yeah, had him sure. and, and yeah. Neil Marshall and Eli Roth, of course, and yeah. um, Rob Zombie and Darren Lynn Ballard. We didn't talk about the Saw movies at all, by the way, as far as practical effects go. But yeah, those are movies that heavily rely on practical effects. Um, yes, they did. I don't know if they're going to come up or not, but yeah, like, but yeah, Daryl and Bowsman <laughs> and James and James Wan by default, and Lee Lionel, I guess too. Um, yeah. They all kind of fall into this category of guys that were really making gory horror movies. <laughs> like <they're, laughs> they, they didn't cut down on like what 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 they needed to say about this in this area. Um, yeah. But anyway, Todd, what's your uh, what's your next pick here? Um, well, I'll go to uh, you know to use that term again, low hanging fruit here. Um, I'm going to go with Poltergeist. Nice, yeah. Um, nice. And specifically, I, I, again, what kind of shaped the movies that I picked here were, you know, a moment or two that really jump out mm-hmm. at me. And of course, with Poltergeist, it's it's the face ripping scene, yep. you know, which, mm. you know, I, again, remember, Poltergeist is rated PG, mm. you know, mm. <laughs> it's scarier uh, than most movies. <laughs> yes, it is. It's messed up. <laughs> and, you know, I, I can remember being around at that time when, you know, this this came out, what, within a month or so of E.T. And, and yes. they were billing it as, you know, oh, it's another Spielberg movie. And all the parents yes. took their kids to go see Poltergeist. And it was terrifying. Um but yeah, even beyond that, there's other effects in that movie that, you know, just still hold up incredibly well to this day. And, you know, part of it is just the way that they work, the the storytelling with the effects and it all works together in, in a great way there. But yeah, specifically that face ripping scene yeah. is just so shocking when it comes so up. So good. So good. Especially a PG movie. PG. Uh-huh. Jesus, mm-hmm. that still freaks me out. It's wild. how Like I... I mean, it's a Toby Hooper film, but like we talk about Spielberg's involvement and like him in general, what he was doing with Amblin at that time, and even like in Jurassic Park, like other movies, it would be so easy for him to be to like pull like a Zemeckis and just be like, I'm just gonna like put my effort into a horror movie for a couple months. Like mm-hmm. he, he would make a, such a great like just straight on horror movie if he wanted to. There's so many like times in his films where he just like he he's like I'm just gonna go a little bit further. So like Raiders like when they're in the tomb and there's skeletons around Karen Allen, he like has them like grabbing her and stuff. It's just like little touches like that where it's like, he knows how to work a crowd if he really wants to. That Mm -hmm. whole story about Jaws where he shot that scene where the head, where Ben Gardner's head pops out of the, out of the ship. And he's like, I can do this better. And he did it again just because he knew he would maximize the scare factor. It's like, he he would still be able to just crush a horror movie if he really wanted Mm -hmm. to. But yeah, meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, his involvement working with Toby Hooper, they made a fucking great movie with Poltergeist because that movie is yep. terrifying for a, a movie designed for families to go and enjoy <laughs> together. <laughs> we talked, I know we talked about it a few weeks ago on our Haunted House episode, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is like those performances from uh, Joe Beth Williams and, and Craig, Craig Denelson, like they're, they're so key to why that film works so effectively. Again, it's about the characters. Yeah. You know? Plus, you yeah. throw her in the water and the bodies. Again, that's that seems like another, like, what if the bodies just start floating? The skeleton bodies just start floating up in the pool? <laughs> like, <what? laughs> and just start, and they're, like, all on her. Like, they, like she can't escape them. It's Even though they're, like, lifeless skeleton things. 
and supposedly actual skeletons, according to the legend. Yeah, yeah. Are they? they aren't they? Like, I don't know. Because they, they were cheaper than buying fake skeletons. That was the, the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, what's your next pick? Uh, I would have to go. I just saw this documentary the other day about this movie, so I'm going to go with the chestburster scene from Alien. Nice. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I just, uh, again, it's it's iconic. It's a scene that, I remember when the scene came out, it was, uh, oh, too graphic to show on TV, too graphic to, you know, even talk about it, blah, blah. And then nowadays you see it on the afternoon on TNT and like a <laughs> clip show or something. But um, <laughs> Alien... Alien and, and Halloween are generally like the first horror movies I remember seeing. And that scene in, left an indelible mark upon me that I'm never going to get rid of. So I had yeah. to mention it. I mean, I, what, what can you say about that hasn't already been said, though? You know, I mean, so. <laughs> you know, quick story. When I, saw, I was watching that when I was a kid with my family, on, uh, you know, at home, I remember my aunt hadn't seen it. That scene came up, and literally, she's sitting on the floor. Suddenly, she flew up five feet in the goddamn air, jumping up, <laughs> freaking out. And I was like, "Oh my god, this movie's perfect." <laughs> I had to. I, I I have a short story too, real quick. Uh, I had to campaign my dad for weeks to let me go see it. You know, I read the novelization, I read the comic book, you know, I read everything in, in Fangoria. I'm like, okay, I know what's going to happen, Dad. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. He's like, "Okay, then I'll take you." So we go, and i got my popcorn and my drink. I'm all ready to go. And the movie opens very quietly on the Nostromo, right? It's just a lot mm-hmm. of slow pans across the Nostromo. No, no motion. Nothing's going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, this, like, computer lights up. It comes into life. I jumped a foot straight <laughs> up, shot popcorn everywhere on everyone around me. And my dad never let me live that story down. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and if we're talking practical effects in Alien, a scene that doesn't get talked about enough, but is also very shocking when it comes to practical mm. effects, is what happens to Ash. Yep. You know? Yeah. 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 Oh, totally. oh. That scene creeped me out more than the actual chestburster scene, to be honest. Because it's so... his blood milk. <laughs> it's so like, we we did our Alien commentary a couple months ago, and it's, it's the kind of thing where... A lesser movie couldn't make that work. You can't be like, it's called Alien, and like an hour and a half into it, you're like, by the way, one of the characters is a robot. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's a hat (laughs) on a hat. But somehow, Ridley Scott, it's like, yeah, we can can do this. (laughs) And so, like, in in addition to the fact that there's an alien stalking the ship and has killed the main character at this point, killed Tom Skerritt, you're like, oh, there's the robots exist in this world. Okay, I, I can go with that. And it's like this crazy thing of them putting Ian Holmes' head on a table, and it's like, this is this is nuts. This guy's covered in, like, milk right now, and, like, talking to me, and I'm still worried about the alien that's, like, roaming around the ship somewhere. It is insane that they could pull that <laughs> off. And, yeah, when Yathakoto, like, knocks the thing down, yeah, it looks crazy. It looks oh, it's wild. disgusting. It's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're talking about something I'm noticing in this, you know, the running theme about these... Uh, movies that we're selecting and why they make such an impact is because of how good the actors are in the scene and just how well the mm. films are made. I mean, the films well, are made well. <laughs> I got one later, so, you know. Okay, so it's going to go downhill, you're telling me. But I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I, might, I might have one that doesn't quite fit that mold yeah. either. So Yeah. Well, when you both mentioned the Boogans and the Boogans too, I guess we'll have to do that. But, I, mean, the... oh, I love the Boogans. <laughs> but um, I, I am, I, 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 it is neat to note that we're like talking about films that rely on not only the effects being well crafted and you know ingenious to their time and what have you but they also have actors that are willing to work with them and do what they need to do like that's certainly important and we can talk about how well act certain actors do with 
acting in front of tennis balls or what have you on green screens, green screen stages. But I mean, yeah, having a practical effect in front of you, you're going to get some reactions, much like you do an yeah. alien when they're like, well, we know something's going to happen. And that's what it was. apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my neck. Is it my turn? Right. That was Jim. You saw Jillian. Did you? Yeah. Yes. You did. Yeah. I think okay. it's your turn now. Yeah. Yep. Okay. My pick is invasion of the body snatchers, 1978 edition. Oh, good one. Um, specifically, because there's a lot of really gnarly effects in there involving the pod people or whatnot, but my not, I'm not even focused on that. I'm focused on the damn Dogman thing yes! that like, comes running up. Because <laughs> yep. that is, like, everything else in there, there's some creepy stuff going on, and you got, I mean, when you have Robert Duvall just sitting on a swing and that's creepy, it's like, oh, this movie's going to be downhill uh, <laughs> as far as, like, where things are going in tone. But in addition to, like, everything already going on and, like, Donald Sutherland caving in his own clone's head or whatever... Oh my god! Like early on, and we—I know we've talked about this before on this podcast, but the scene is so like re- insane to me. Early on, you have like a homeless man playing guitar, and like he has a dog. And the next time you see them, the dog and the man have been combined for some reason, and it's this effect is—it shouldn't work as well as it does. Like it's so clearly like a dog with a mask on its face, but it looks so terrifying in the moments that you can't like help but react to this thing. It is that nuts. movie legit? That scene, like that was another scene, like the alien scene. That scene freaked me out more than anything else, and also yes. PG PG movie by yeah, the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. uh huh. But the uh, the rest of the effects in there. Uh, I just I, mean, I remember one effect specific, um, where Sutherland like takes a garden hoe. Yes. Yeah. To his his uh, double or whatever, and just cuts his head in half. It just looks like a rotten watermelon. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's oh gra- my god. It's, it's very gnarly. And, like yeah, it's gnarly watch. as hell. And like what? Because uh, Goldblum and Speaking of Alien, Veronica Cartwright, they have, like, their spa thing, and so you have, like, weird bodies in the spot. Like, there's just a lot of a lot of really wild effects that they're going for in, for a good, for a, another one of the, you know, best remakes that you got out there. It's just, yeah. but yeah, that damn dog, man, it's so, like, <laughs> and, like, they play the music and everything, too. It's just so, like, it just catches you off guard, and it's like, no, thank you. I don't want to deal with this at all right now. As I'm that, avoiding see, like zombies on the street that are trying to talk and take me over. This is on Amazon Prime. I'm seriously watching this movie. This, this I, I haven't seen that that so, for so long. Now I want to see the dog face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jimmy, what's your next pick? Uh, you know, I'm going to. I'm. You know, I'm surprised we actually haven't talked about this. Uh, this person, uh, Brian Yuzna Society, screaming mad George, man, that. This movie is so weird and so Yeah, that was beautiful. on my list. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> what a great I mean it's a, it's not like a great movie per se. This isn't the you know, for God's sake, you have Billy Warlock from Baywatch. You don't have like you know we're not dealing with <laughs> Donald Sutherland or whatever, but this movie is a fun and weird and bizarre I I, I love this film and it, it some of the effects are just Oh God, I, I sickening and uncomfortable, but it, it I, I love the whole kind of, it's a great satire on, on wealth. It's a great satire on, you know, the, 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 the rich eating, you know, feeding off of each other. I, I love this film. I think it's yeah, when, absolutely beautiful. When those people get absorbed or whatever at the end. Yes. Oh my God. Like, that is like one of the most unnerving effects I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's like just everything just bubbling and gr- oh god, it 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 makes me sick, and I love it every minute of it. That's society. 
Yeah, Society. I have, I have not uh, seen from, Society. So. You have? Oh, dude, you need to see eighty nine. I think, and it, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, just weird. It's a, I, I have a weird feeling it would hold up really well in today's, you know, kind of the the rich get richer type of world. I think it would hold up re- rather well. Oh, I think it's a good year for class based horror. That's for sure. I was going to say the yeah. message is probably even stronger now than it wasn't then. You know? Um, oh, for one hundred percent. I haven't sure. seen it for for a long time, but I mean, there are scenes in that movie I'll never forget. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I look at that. An ordinary teenage boy discovers his family is part of a gruesome orgy cult. An orgy cult for the social elite. I, I that's isn't that what we're living in now? <laughs> Uh, Todd, what's your uh, what's your next pick? All right, well, I'm going to go with something that's a little bit uh, off the charts here. It's a sequel, and I love it when I run across a a horror sequel that just goes a bit nutty. And um, so I'm going to go to 1982, Amityville 2: The Possession. Mm. Oh, um, good choice. <laughs> I uh, I actually do not like the original Amityville horror very much. I, I kind of was like, eh, it's all right. It, it didn't really thrill me. Amityville 2 is nuts. And uh, it's a prequel. And again, you know, looking at a specific sequence that jumped out at me, there's a moment in this film where it centers around this teenage kid who is possessed and such. And it finally reaches this breaking point and, and he transforms into a demon and basically his face crumbles away to reveal the demon underneath. And it is just amazing piece of effects mm-hmm. work in this cheesy little sequel where you've got Burt Young playing a scumbag and stuff, you know, but yeah, while Amityville, the original Amityville kind of bored me a bit. Amityville too is a very entertaining watch. I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but it's extremely entertaining and has some, uh-huh. some really wild effects in it. I know uh, Brandon Peters is a big fan of the second Amityville as well. Um, uh, I know, Jimmy, it's you, a, have, so you have a soft spot for, yeah, for the I first do. one as well. I, I, well, see, I, I like the first two a lot. I, I love, mm-hmm. But again, nostalgia really brings me back to the original Amityville. And I, I remember as a kid reading that book and going, oh, my God, this is so cool. And it's true. And all this stuff happened. So to me, I, I, I got the whole nostalgia thing going on. And obviously, I don't know how much of it's true at this point. But, you know, still. I tried, still I tried to watch the original Amityville not, uh, not too long ago. It was on Comet. And I couldn't. I just couldn't. It was just. And I'm a huge. I love Margot Kidder. I would, you know, watch almost any movie she's in. But I, I think, I, yeah, she, she. I think there's something about it that's still. And I'm a huge. I'm a sucker for the paranormal and like haunted yeah, yeah. houses. So you know, it's like, yeah, I, I still love that movie. I, I know, but the Amityville Two is just a weird uh, incest and just God, what a weird freaking movie. Uh, Jimmy, what's your? Or sorry, Jim, what's your next pick? My next pick is uh, Dead Again. An early, uh, early uh, Peter Jackson movie. Uh, this movie has like a soccer game with a severed head and a lawnmower massacre. And wait, wait, uh, dead alive or dead alive? I'm sorry. Yes, or or brain dead. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Dead, dead, dead alive. <laughs> dead again is the Kenneth Branagh movie. That's kind of Branagh. I was like, is there a makeup effect? I'm again? sorry. <laughs> you know what? I know it's, it's late. It's late, man. It's late here. Uh, yeah. dead, dead alive. Um, Peter Jackson early movie. A lot of really like uh, low budget practical effects things going on there that really work a lot. You, know, you got intestines wrapping around machinery and limbs flying everywhere, and it's just it was it, again, you know, just a great cool use of practical effects and uh, you know not a great movie, 
by any stretch, but no, like it's a great movie. You're wrong. It's a great you movie. <laughs> okay, uh, I think it's a good movie. I don't know if I'd go as far as great, but um, yeah, that that would definitely be my pick. Dead Alive. It just I I remember a lot of the effects from that even more than I remember some things about the movie. There, yeah. there's a, I believe there's a shot of like a a head like you mentioned. Like there's a head that's kind of cut off and it's sliding across the floor, and the camera sticks with it. Like there's just some really creative stuff uh, that. That uh, that lawnmower troll scene that you mentioned, like yeah, it's just, I, I believe it. It had the record for like most blood used in a movie for like the longest of times. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't even think like one of, at least one of the VHS covers says like the goriest movie of all time. It's like yeah, I I <laughs> I don't argue with you. And it's <laughs> a, you know it was the first romantic comedy with zombies before Shaun of the Dead. I mean it just it yeah. a nice nice story about a boy and his mother and he but the boy wants to grow up. Ah, um, so sweet. And it had like, and it's just like this is Peter Jackson just going wild. He's just before he like gets all respectable with mm-hmm. with heavenly creatures. Next, he's like, I'm gonna make this <laughs> nut zombie movie, <laughs> taking all my like Sam Raimi influence and just making the camera fly all over New Zealand. And uh, yeah, no, that's I, I'm a huge Dead Alive fan, and I I I know he's working on a restoration of it for Blu-ray finally, and I need oh, that'd be or, great. Or at least a, a better Blu-ray. And I, I need this. I need this in my life. <laughs> <laughs> if he if he wants to put it in high frame rate in 3D, whatever. I just want to see more Dead Alive. So. <laughs> um, the next film I have on my list is Day of the Dead. Uh, oh, nice. Good one. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, keeping into kind of specific moments, there's a. I mean, Day of the Dead. I think Savini considered this like his masterpiece. If I'm not mistaken, like the film that he was just most proud of. There's a lot of very inventive and creative visuals to make this zombie apocalypse work. Um, in a more realistic manner compared to Dawn of the Dead, where it certainly goes for a heightened tone. It's more comic book as far as kind of how the violence works in that film, even though they're still past like people getting their intestines ripped out and whatnot. Day of the Dead goes for a more realistic kind of feel. And there's one, like, I generally know how effects work at this point. Like, I've seen enough behind the scenes special features and whatnot to, like, know the way things are constructed. There is still an effect in Day of the Dead where I just, I, I, I could probably, if I really thought about it, I could probably figure it out, but I just haven't. It's a, it's where um, two of the soldiers are getting like ripped apart, and one mm-hmm. I believe it's Torres. He's getting his head ripped off, and he's screaming as it's happening. And as he's screaming, you're, you're like his vocal, he's like head's being ripped off his body, and the vocal cords stretching, so his screams like become high pitched all of a sudden, and it's all one take. And so I, I just don't quite get how that was pulled off because it looks like a man has his head ripped off while he's screaming, and you're hearing him scream. Yes, there's movie magic and camera tricks and bodies probably under the floor or whatnot, but still, it's a really convincing effect. It gets me every <laughs> single time. More than more than Rhodes getting like you know his legs ripped off and he says choke on them and all like that's fun too because you know who didn't want to see Rhodes get killed? But the yeah this crazy head effect is just wild to me. I think the other one gets like his eye like ripped off, like his like face just gets like torn out. There's a lot of just insane zombie effects in this movie that I was, I'm really happy to revisit every time I watch that movie. Um, and of course, Bud, who doesn't, who doesn't like, uh, Oh, Bud's lovable. Who doesn't like him as he tries to shave and whatnot. Um, good stuff. Day of the Dead has everything, everything you want, you know, (laughs) doomed zombie scenario. Uh, Jimmy, what's your next pick? Well, you know, I'm going to go a little more recent, uh, than I've been going. And, uh, let's, uh, you know, one of my favorite remakes, Evil Dead. That, yeah. There's a lot of practical in that. And God, that is a gruesome movie for a 
pretty big released R-rated film, and it, mm-hmm. it did very well in the theaters. And my God, there there's some just brutal stuff in that film, like the the slicing the tongue, the eye, the the cutting off the arm, the the. Uh, the, the the end scene is like a freaking orchestra of just a symphony of just bloodshed and, and oh god it's beautiful it's I, a I beautiful gotta, film i gotta say and i just rewatched evil dead uh recently i had i was on a podcast talking all about the evil dead series so i was like i'm gonna watch evil dead because i haven't watched it in a while i watched the uncut mm-hmm. version um which i mean is just really effective but there's that whole sequence at the end where it starts raining blood mm-hmm when it chapter two is coming out jessica chastain's all like i think we've used like the most blood ever in one of our scenes i'm thinking <laughs> bullshit jessica chastain i'm sorry but like it I thought the remake. Same thing. <laughs> there's, there's more blood in this movie than it, it's just gruesome and but this is also another one that has a couple really good performances too and i oh, yeah, I, sure. I love this movie i think it's great what I think works about it is that it it holds on to a tone that was in line with the first movie. It's the, like Absolutely. the first one, as much unintentional comedy as there may be now and humor. It it's still trying to be a gruesome and grueling horror experience, which is what this one's trying to be. That mm-hmm. said, the score of this movie is so like over the top, where it's like, of course, there's humor in this. I mean, as serious as it is to watch Jane Levy push a exacto knife against her like uh, (laughs) cutting and like you know split it in half it's like it's still like wildly over the top in a way where it's like well i'm having fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um yeah that's a fun movie it's just really 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 it's really really brutal yeah yeah, it it was on my list too one of my potentials and the scene i was thinking of particularly is um when they're in the bathroom and the and the one girl gets possessed and she starts cutting her face just off and it's it's just really gnarly and then the other guy comes in, and she's attacking him, and like she's she's like stabbing in a bunch with the needle. Like there's no like there's no um there's no rest period for the people that get affected no. by this stuff. No, there's not. And that's a movie. Yeah, I mean, talking about practical effects, it's very minimal on C. There's only like minor CG enhancements. It's, it's all yeah, practical I th- stuff. I think the fire in the beginning. Yeah, the fire in the beginning. And, yeah, you know, and there's, yeah. which is yeah, it's not the best, but. Uh, yeah, the practical stuff in this movie is really, really, really gorgeous. Well, in a disgustingly g- brutal, gruesome way, but it's very gorgeous. For sure. Todd, what's next? Well, I'm going to go with something that's much lighter fare than than Evil Dead here. And it's uh, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned earlier my great love and appreciation for the art of puppetry. So I, I'm going to go with a, a film where the majority of its practical effects are based around puppetry. And it's uh-huh. a, a horror film, but... You know, more of a comedy horror. Uh, Gremlins is the one I got to throw out there. Um, And, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, it's just so fun. I I love the way that Joe Dante, you know, puts his kind of cartoon inspired sensibilities into this. I mean, we we all know Joe Dante is very influenced by like the Looney Tunes style and things like that. And, And I think that comes through in the way the Gremlins are presented here. But there's also some great gruesome effects in here i mean you know again i i focus on these moments and the microwave scene in gremlins just had a big impact on me as a young person <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the scene where stripe melts at the end as well uh also you know those just were burned into my mind but uh i, I love puppetry work and so this one has has just some wonderful puppetry that uh, in some moments is somewhat crude but but very effective and and so yeah it, it's it's fun and also gruesome at times and, and really charms me. Yeah. Uh, my lovely girlfriend and I, we, we recently watched gremlins. Um, and it, again, that tangible thing, you like just looking at these mo- little monsters, it's like, 
they're so real like it's just the the amount of work that goes into making them feel like they're actual like little creatures that are running around is astounding like it's mm-hmm. it's it's great work to fully realize this concept of these little mogwais and then later gremlins coming to life or whatnot and between that and even like the stop motion sequence where they're all walking up into town there's it's endlessly creative to just see those come to life yeah and like nasty and stuff of the cocoons they make and everything it looks like it smells that's another thing it looks like these things <laughs> smell yeah, it does <laughs> Uh, Jim, what's your next pick? Uh, Beetlejuice. Ah, oh, ooh, good one. I love the effects in it, and you know, it's I, I guess it's ostensibly a horror comedy, uh, but you know the the you know when they pull their faces out, and even the sandworm scene, the you know the um you know the the giant uh, hammer scene, you know all the different effects, practical effects in it. I, I just thought it really adds so much to that movie. Um, that would be law that would be missing, I think, without them. Uh, and I wanted to pick something that wasn't just a straight up gory horror movie, uh, but that had like a little more whimsy to it and stuff. So that's a uh, wonderful fun house of a film. As far yeah, as I've yeah. seen just these different things Tim Burton has in store for the audience. And there's so many different fun effects in there. I mean, you know, the waiting room with the woman who is, you know, in two pieces, or the guy with the shrunken head, and you know, again, you know, the opening the door and actually falling into the sandworm, the whole, uh, um, you know, banana boat sequence. Um, I like with, um, yeah. Beetlejuice when like they pick up Beetlejuice and then he like erupts um, splinters from his body mm-hmm. and then he like gets stuck yeah. on the ground and he's walking around he still has the splinters out and everything. Well, <laughs> my, fa- my favorite effect in Beetlejuice is one where you actually don't see all that much where they say but can you be scary and he says well check out this and you see yeah. him from the yeah. back and you just see the things <laughs> pop out of his head and you never see what they actually see but I was like what a wonderfully creative effect that depends on what we don't actually see <laughs> That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what should I go with? How many? What have we done three each so far? Four. I think four. Yeah. Have we done? But oh, you guys have done four. This is this yeah. would be my fourth then. This is right. Your fourth. Okay, I think I know who I want to do that. Okay. Um, I thought Todd, you might have been going this way when you were talking about a lighter fare uh, horror thing or whatnot. So I'm going to say what was on my mind. It's a little shop of horrors. Oh. Um, the the Audrey two that becomes bigger and bigger. And especially by in the director's cut ending, it becomes ginormous. Uh, but the the kind of I guess final adult form of Audrey too, where it's this giant plant monster at this point inside inside the shop, and it has like the little like all its vines, and it has the little ones that are starting to pop up and everything. I was watching on and I were watching this, I think a couple years ago at this point, and our friend and friend of the show Scooter came over, and who had not seen Little Shop of Horrors. He was baffled by the fact that this was a practical effect. He couldn't believe mm-hmm. that this wasn't computers of just because of how like wildly <laughs> inventive it was to make this giant plant that seemed like it was speaking and moving its tongue around and everything. Uh, and it really is a, a fantastic design uh, just to see the, see this crazy plant creature that talks and eats and seems like it's another a whole other character. Uh, just an amazing creation all around. Absolutely. And and another great example of, of some of the best puppetry that's ever been captured uh-huh. on film. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's amazing to this day 
what they did with that. And I know there's rumors floating around of a possible remake here. And, you know, I, I, I'm never one of those people that says, don't remake this movie ever, you know, type of thing. But I, this is one where I go, I, I don't know that you can improve on this. You know, it, it's yeah. so wonderful. Um, and I, th- I think another great example, too. I mean, you talked about how we keep bringing up films where it's really uh, the effects work because of what the actors are doing along with it. And I think uh-huh. you can certainly say that with this. I mean, Rick Moranis's performance in this, in his interactions with the puppet, is amazing and i think also a key part of this is that it's under the direction of frank oz who is a master puppeteer and and also a great comedic performer i mean if you ever watch Uh the stuff he did with the muppet show sesame street all that stuff you see what a brilliant comedian he was he brings all that together his his mastery of puppetry and his mastery of comedy all comes together very well i mean this was a project that was tailor-made for frank oz to direct it have you guys seen the um, the director's cut like version yes. of this film? And, like, absolutely. It, I assume I've you got have Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. It. I mean, I understand why they changed it, but it's it's insane. <laughs> it's, <laughs> the, the world ends. Like it's crazy. <laughs> well, it, it becomes a kaiju film at yes, the end. You know. <laughs> <it does. laughs> I like that. That like it's literally one of the inspirations for Godzilla versus Biollante, like which is one of my favorite Godzilla films. Is like, well, that worked. Let's do that. Let's make a giant plant monster for Godzilla to fight. It's like, sure. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Little Shop of Horrors. That's just good stuff. Uh, Jimmy, what's your uh, what's your fifth pick here? Well, I decided to go with something a little bit a lesser. Well, not I don't know if it's lesser known in the genre world, but it's another Rick Baker film, and I, I think the, I remember this guy scared the hell out of me as a kid. The Fun House, the nineteen eighty one Toby, another oh, yeah. Toby, Hooper, Toby Hooper movie. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing about this movie: it, it it openly is a tribute to Halloween Psycho. But they kind of do something a little different. I This is another one. You have Elizabeth Barrage in the lead role. And talk about great scream queens or whatever. She was really phenomenal. She, you know, she also did the Amadeus. Good actress. I gave a crap during this movie. And there were some legit surprises with how people get killed off. But that the makeup effect on the the main villain, the, the beast the you know Frankenstein's monster or whatever you could call it, want to call it, uh, wow! I it, it's that the I remember the movie poster creeped me out as a kid. I, I remember seeing it somewhere. I don't even remember where, like on TV, like TV Guide or something. And it was just like, okay, that's just ridiculously disturbing. The mm-hmm. this jawline with this just drool, white drool, and these teeth, and God, that. That just creeped me out. It, I, legitimately, I think it's a creepy movie, and I think it holds up really well today. Oh, it, it's an unsettling film, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, you know, the scene that really got me is, I, I, you know, when I saw the trailer at one point, you, you, know, you know, when she's down on the floor and you see the ladder just right in front of her just drop down and the guy jumps out. I'm just like, okay, that movie messed me up. And it, it's a... I like the character of the guy too, because you you're dealing with the guy that's just, you know, he's just an abused monster and he's not really terrible, but you know, it's a, a classic play, a classic take on the front modern day Frankenstein's monster in it in a funhouse setting. What's not to like with Rick Baker, Baker and Toby Hooper. You can't, yeah. can't go wrong with that film. Oh, the fun that we, yeah, the fun house is super fun. <laughs> I really oh. like the fun house a lot. Me too. <laughs> Um, I'm happy that I have that Screen Factory Blu-ray for that. I'm jealous I didn't get it yet. <laughs> Todd, what's your uh, what's your next pick? 
since it's the last one here, I think I'll go for something really strange. Um, and this is a low budget film. It's an in name only sequel. And again, one where I think it's, it's worlds better than the original. I'm not a fan of the original prom night, but hello, Mary what? Lou prom night two is crazy fun. And it's got cheapo low budget effects that are really, really interesting. Um, I mean, this is a movie where you have someone that, uh, dies because they're crushed in their gym locker. This is a movie where you have someone gets sucked into a blackboard that turns into a whirlpool. Um, I don't know how they pulled off some of the stuff they do in this cheaply made Canadian sort of sequel to prom night, but uh, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. And uh, it's one where you just kind of sit there and try to figure out how they pulled off some of these, these wild effects. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a movie that doesn't get talked about very much, but definitely seek out prom night too. I like it so much better than the original. Oh gosh. I don't know if I would say that cause I love the original, but yeah, that's a good choice. I love the, I love prom night too. Hello, Mary Lou. I know Brandon's on your side on this one. He doesn't like the original that much either. <laughs> I see. I I'm a Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, like uh, I, I, anything she was in that from that decade, I love period there. Don't at me on that. Because I, I everything everything Terra Train prom night. I was gonna say we're all big fans of Terra Trains. I mean that Terra Train's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that's on Amazon Prime, I believe. Hello, Mary I Lou think it may be. Uh, it is. It is. Yeah, I just watched it recently. <laughs> There's a, I mean, a lot of these are on Prime. It's actually mm-hmm. pretty surprising how strong their horror lineup is. Yeah, uh, Jim. Jim, what's your pick? Uh, I was gonna go with uh, Dawn of the Dead, but since you already <laughs> mentioned Day of the Dead. Uh, I'm going to shift over to another Cronenberg and go with Videodrome. Ooh, good one. Um, it's, you know, the, 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 where he grows the VCR slit in his stomach to put the tape <laughs> in. And, and the uh, long live the new flesh, when he makes love to the TV with the undulating, uh, uh, you know, parts with uh, Debbie Harry's face on it and stuff. I mean, there's some really unnerving practical effects in that movie. And um, I know Cronenberg often goes to the body horror well quite often, but. Um, there's some like images in that that really stuck with me that were very, you know, very much practical effects. So also I'll go with that. Um, although my, everybody here in Pittsburgh will get mad at me for not mentioning a Romero film. So, <laughs> um, but I, wa- I was going to go with Dawn of the Dead. I mean, the bike, the biker feeding scene in Dawn of the Dead, you know, when I, um, you know, machete to the head guy, you know, a lot of great scenes, you know, Harry effects Christmas zombie. Harry Christmas <laughs> zombie, of course. Um, I'm, I'm literally 10 minutes from the mall that, where they filmed it. Uh, but yeah, so I guess I'm, I'm cheating by having two. So sue me. <laughs> <laughs> My last pick. Hmm, I got a lot of options here, but I'm going to, I'm going to do this one. Um, it is Slither, James Gunn Slither, mm. uh, specifically the Grant Grant monster that Michael Rooker's character turns into, yeah. which is a, a very elaborate effect that I know caused him a lot of actual pain to be in, um, but he suffered through it to make this weird, like, slug, blobby monster. We didn't talk about the blob at all, by the way, too. Um, but this, 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 like, slob monster thing um, in a movie that's full of, like, disgusting slug creatures or whatnot. There's, like, yeah, there's some CG stuff here or there, but there are there are a lot of practical, gooey things that take place. And just a really terrible deer fight that's hilarious to watch. And James Gunn is happy to make fun of himself for going through it in the commentary for that movie. Uh, but yeah, the Grant the Grant, Grant monster. Um, just the look of Michael Rooker's face as he's, like, 
has all this prosthetic all over him and like it, his smiles all extended and what it's just it's it's gross <laughs> but it's just really it it it's it stands out to me as far as thinking of like actors turned into monsters for the sake of a movie and i just really like slither that's just a fun movie <laughs> all right um what else guys i know I, I i know i have other things on my list here but any uh, honorable mentions you want to shout out real quick well, I do want to uh, pick one. I, you know, I want to give a one film that uh, Jason actually mentioned a shout out uh, because it's the only film, and I'm trying to think uh, who all worked on it because I'm blanking at the moment. But the transformation scene in Starman, it is the only time uh-huh. that uh, Rick Baker was it. Rick, wait, hold on, I'm going to check because I'm, I'm going to get this yeah. wrong. Uh, it was Rick Baker. It was. Uh, uh dick smith dick dick smith and san winston the only film they worked on together on and apparently there is a longer version somewhere or there was a longer version of his transformation from little alien boop to giant jeff bridges uh-huh. but uh it will i guess i believe jason asked carpenter if it, we'd ever see it and apparently we wouldn't so but uh, but I, I that's pretty cool that the three of them working together on one film that's not not horror. No, for sure. Yeah. Amazing movie though, by the way. Yeah, I was happy it, it finally came out last year, and I watched it again for the first time in ages. And it's it, that's another one where just such great performances from both Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen in that. Film. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. I'll throw uh, out uh, yeah. the decapitation from The Omen. Yep. Oh, Ooh, good, good one. one. David um, Warner. <laughs> yeah. And just because of its pure nuttiness, uh, I also have to mention uh, the basketball sequence from Wes Craven's Deadly Friend, um, <laughs> which just is so crazy. Um, and then uh, I also wanted to give a, lo- a little love here to a-, a sequence that is kind of a celebration of practical effects. It's from a movie that's not a horror movie, but is all about uh, two guys here that love horror movies. But I love the uh, the sequence where the class all uh, dresses up with the horror effects from summer school with Chainsaw and Dave. You oh, know, God, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's such a fun movie, too. I love that sequence. I'd have to add, uh, uh, yeah, Cabin in the Woods has a surprisingly amount of uh, practical effects in it. Uh, mm. I don't know if you've ever seen like the, the making of a uh, documentary of that, but almost all the monsters in that movie were, were practically made. They were not CGI. Yeah. I have the, I have the oh. art book for that film. And yes, there's tons of things that they like stacked into this movie. That's so, it's so unassuming on the outside, but it like has so much going on. Bring on the merman. And I yeah, bring on the merman. <laughs> and I'd also mention, um, uh, the cook, the thief, the wife and his lover. Uh, oh, it, ha- God, it has some yeah. some like horrific effects in it. Not really a horror movie per se, but definitely some horrific things going on in there that are really well done. Peter Greenaway hard song. movie, hard movie to watch, but really, really well done. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'd mention that too. I got a number here. I'll just kind of slide through them. But Eraserhead has that damn baby thing. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, God, that. yeah. That that David Lynch won't tell anyone how he made it. Um, uh, Night of the Living Dead has the whole eating sequence where they're just eating the remains of the burned bodies and you're just seeing zombie action in its purest form right there. Mm-hmm. Um, what else here? Life Force. It's got space vampires, oh. guys. Oh, oh, hey, yeah. Bay. Who forget? Um, let's see. Evil Dead has the whole pencil and the, an- the, the evil, the original evil that has that pencil yeah. and the ankle bit that's like really gross to watch. Um, zombie 2. 
has that splinter in the eye sequence. Oh gosh, yeah. That's a that's a good one. So yeah, that's everything. I'm yeah, we covered everything else. Um, but yeah, just a lot of <laughs> a lot of good stuff uh, uh, there. Um, and yeah, any any other thoughts that we, that we've kind of we can get into as far as this goes before we wrap it up here. Any recent well, movies you guys can think of that kind of focus on this this realm a bit more? Well, you oh, you know I saw the amazing um no I I can't even do it as a joke I just can't I can't I I, I saw Countdown last night and I'm still just <laughs> reeling from how I can swear right yes how motherfucking bad that piece of shit was it looks oh my terrible. god it looks dude, really dude bad. it's worse than you can imagine it oh, is man. the dumbest ca- and it's the thing is they're not bad actors it's not badly directed but my god choose a fucking plot so yeah don't don't go to see that <laughs> any good movies you can think of <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I would mention the uh, the Creep Show series that's on right now. Sure, uh, very very good use of practical effects. Um, there there are digital effects in it, but um, uh, the the uh, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm totally blanking on it now. Talk to somebody else. I'll come back to me. Well, I think uh, you you mentioned <laughs> earlier Midsummer, yourself. which yeah. is yes. a great great movie. Uh, and some really brutal, gruesome effects in that. Not your typical horror film, but. It's, a really fantastic film. I, 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 one of my favorites of this year, to be honest. Todd, were you saying something before you? Oh no, I, I don't really have anything to add on, on new movies because I'm, sure. I, I very rarely get to the new, to the new releases in a timely way. But uh, what I was starting to say was that, you know, I, I like that. You know, we kind of hinted at this earlier that we're starting to get to a point now where I think filmmakers are starting to come to a nice middle ground, a good balance between the the practical and the CGI, because there has been this resurgence of people saying, Oh, we got to get back to practical, but yeah, you know, there's budget and stuff. It's cheaper to do the CGI stuff. If we can find you a nice happy marriage there, it's like how, yeah, I've got my Amazon music that I'll play songs on, but I've still got a bunch of vinyl records here that I like to pop on every now and then, you know, it's a good Mm -hmm. mix. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like that 2000s there. It's like, well, we can just, we can give it a big budget. And it's like, well, horror doesn't really shine because of how big the budget is. So you have a lot of filmmakers that are either younger filmmakers or just ones that feel like going back to the, back to basics that can put together something cool because they're just, you know, they're treating it like, you know, the kind of get up off the ground film as far as let's get our friends together and, you know, go to the store, grab the things we need and make a horror movie work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I didn't mention this movie, but Drag Me to Hell. Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell uh, mm. has a ton of like old, you know, his Evil Dead style in place. There's some CG stuff here, or there, but like it's it's you know, it looks like it has the same rhythms as an Evil Dead movie because it relies so much on. Well, let's just you know throw a camera in somebody's face and knock them with a fake piece of wood around, or you know, put them on wires and throw them up in the air, things like yeah. that. I know it's, there's I know there's CGI in it, but what about Mandy? It seemed like there are a lot of practical effects in that. Uh-huh. And and, and uh, a tiger, oh, yeah, and a tiger, <laughs> and uh, Overlord too seemed to uh, like Overlord is great. Was yeah, a good yeah. example. I mean, it seemed to have a lot of practical effects in it. You know, the zombies were very much not a CGI thing. Overlord is like the craziest. This movie came, it's awesome, and then just went away right away. Yeah, movie because yeah. it's like I go, well, I got Overlord. It's like that was nuts. Like I really enjoyed that, and then like nobody saw it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I told that's a great movie. I, uh, yeah, it's, I actually own that film. I, I, I bought it because I, I had heard everyone say it was good, and mm-hmm. then it disappeared. I didn't get to see it, so I, I actually bought the film. I was glad I did. 
It's, like, su- it's super fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely one of my favorite zombie Nazi movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Dead if, Snow 2, man. Dead yeah, Snow, Dead Snow 2, 2 is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, Frank, it's, it's, Frankenstein's it's, Army's up there, too. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I also wanted to mention uh, uh, one of my favorite horror movies from last year had almost, you know, what effects were in it were practical. Uh, the Clove Hitch Killer. Uh, uh, oh. Really, really low-key movie um, about a, a teenage boy who thinks his dad might be a serial killer. And, uh, you know, just, again, it's more about the characters than the effects. Absolutely. absolutely. So. Yeah, it's still one I want to catch up with. I haven't been able to, to see it yet, but I, I I know you've been talking about it a lot, and I want to catch up with it at some point. Um, I'll mention the movie Haunt again, because I know that's on Shudder now also, in addition to oh, you cool. know, the creep show series. But Haunt is a is a solid little flick. I, I talked about it before, but I mean, speaking of like the fun house, it's like that and like the collector and some other ideas rolled into one for a pretty solid, uh, you know, little horror flick that relies on, yeah, practical effects as far as just real people doing bad things to others. I remember what it was I was going to say now that you mentioned Shudder. It came back to me. Um, the the Ranger. It was on Shudder earlier this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. That reminded me of the kind of movies I would watch on USA Up All Night and stuff, you know. Um, but again, you know, low budget, very, very, uh, very fun, effective movie. Very cool. Yeah. So. Well, guys, I think we've talked plenty about uh, practical effects and horror movies, and I think there's been a pretty fun discussion going over a lot of these cool movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, with all that in mind, let's uh, let's just wrap things up here. Where can people find more of your guys' work online? Let's start with you, Jimmy. Where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find me on Joe Blow. You can find me on Arrow in the Head. And I uh, i mean, I don't know when this is airing, but uh, I will be on Meet the Movie Press tomorrow with uh, Scott Scott Menzel and um, um, Simon Thompson. And we are going to be having Alfonso Gomez-Rajan to talk about uh, his new current war, which I'm really excited about because I really enjoyed. So there you go. You can listen. You can watch it later after this airs. <laughs> Uh, Todd Liebenau, where can people find where can people find more of your work online? Yeah, I'm, uh, my site is Forgotten Films. That's at forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com. I have two podcasts. One is called The Forgotten Filmcast. It's all about the movies that time forgot. And then my other one is called Walt Sent Me. It's all about Disney movies, but Disney in the grand sense. So we talk about anything released by any Disney studio. So that could be the touchstone pictures hollywood pictures oh. miramax when they own miramax oh, wow. all those different things um so check those out you'll find them on all the places you find podcasts very cool real quick jimmy you mentioned alfonso gomez rajan's gonna be on the show i i thought i knew that name is like because he directed me the me and Earl dying girl but he also directed the, town the, the town that dreaded sundown, sundown yeah, which is the, excellent excellent yeah. horror film that is the, a, uh, that, talk about a great remake because it's a sequel slash remake and it does it beautifully well, very cool. No. Jim Dietz, where can people find more of you? HHWLOD.com. You can find myself and Aaron sometimes talking about The Walking Dead on The Walking Dead TV podcast. Uh, weekly on the Nothing's On podcast on the Taylor Network of Podcasts. You can listen to our film and uh, and TV news and, and uh, talk there. And uh, OldMagicGaming.com is our live D&D podcast channel. Every week we put up a new D&D game with uh, a soundtrack and sound effects, make it more like theater of the mind. And uh, every Friday we have a new one up. So OldMagicGaming.com, check that out. Nice. Very cool. You can uh, I'm writing over at WeLiveEntertainment.com and WhySoBlue.com. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all the other episodes about Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher, Audio Boom, everywhere you can find our show. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's all various forms about Now 
podcast or out now underscore podcast you know where you can find our show um, thank you Jim Jimmy and Todd for joining me this evening to discuss practical horror effects thank you well, yeah thank you me. yeah it was fun yeah. glad to have you guys on here glad to be doing all these fun horror episodes for the month and for the year essentially and I look forward to uh, finishing it all off next week talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre but until next time until then so long and goodbye we